I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Remember, we were shipwrecked together. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I am Greg Cott. My co-host is Jim DeRugatis. And if you want to be the first to hear our bonus podcast, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon. Just like Andrew Daniel. Thank you, Andrew, for your contribution to the show. We really appreciate your support. Uh, Jim and I have uh, so much music that we want to bring out into the world, share with our listeners. Jim, uh, what track are you going to share with us on the Desert Island Jukebox today? Uh, give us a hint. Greg, I'm going to play a track by uh, one of the founding groups of Chicago punk in the 80s. Uh, it's a sad occasion. It's an obituary. You know, rather than dwelling on the sadness, uh, let's remember the music. That's why we play these. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you're going to touch on this, Jim, and I look forward to hearing what you've got to say here in a minute on Sound Opinions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We are back, Jim. You know, to me, the only question was, what song are you going to play from this uh, marvelous musician and in tribute to him and his band? We are uh, going to play a track by the Effigies, which were led by uh, vocalist John Kesdy. Wow. You know, his death hit me hard. He was 64 years old in late August. He was an avid bicyclist. Mm -hmm. Something about a delivery van in a bike lane, and he slammed into it, and that was the end of John. This came uh, after surviving the uh, Highland Park 4th of July shooting two years ago. Right. He, he was grazed in that 4th of July parade shooting. Who was John Kesdy? He and his brother, I think, you'd be hard-pressed to find a pair that had more to do with putting mm. Chicago on the map as par far as punk rock uh, went. Evanston High School kids, right, they fall in love with the Sex Pistols. Pierre, who's the older brother, who died in 2020, goes on to be yeah. a member of Strike Under and Naked Reagan, mm. right? And John fronts the effigies. And so there's three bands that put Chicago on the punk rock map in the 80s. Big Black led by Steve Albini and Santiago Durango, and uh, Naked Reagan. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right? and, and the effigies. The effigies are the hardest in some ways, which is something to say when Big Black was so abrasive. They're the hardest, they're the most streamlined, they're the most stripped down, 
economical. This is post-punk. This is, you thought, everything that could be done with guitars, bass, and drums, and that Ramones and Sex Pistols template. You thought it was all done. We got more to say. They're political in a very city-of-the-big-shoulders, working-class kind of way, not being theoretical about it, being tough, coming from the streets and singing about uh, the realities of the streets and Chicago. Fascinating, John becomes an officer of the court, (laughs) Mm -hmm. winds up running the grand jury bureau for the attorney general's office. Many tributes in the wake of his death in late August. Uh, One said, uh, you know, name another punk rock frontman in the history of the genre that uh, winds up putting people in jail <laughs> you know yeah um i'll get to the song i'm going to play in a minute and it's strictly for personal reasons i saw the effigies going to school in new york living in new jersey i see the effigies uh on what must have been the first or second tour out east which is how i was initially exposed to big black and naked Reagan on tour right mm-hmm. and i mean to me I looked at these guys. I listened to these. This was Chicago. I'd never been to Chicago. I didn't know anybody from Chicago. But seeing those three bands, oh, I think I understand this city, and I would I would come to know it well. Fly on a Wire was the album, and I always thought that that title, which John had chosen, was a nod to uh, another great post-punk band that showed how far the genre could be pushed with some artistry mm-hmm. and imagination. Wire, one of my all-time favorite bands. Yeah, I want to talk about the aesthetic. Uh, Steve Albini had a quote in in one of the tributes about, you know, the effigies were a, a moving force during a crucial and exhilarating time. Essentially, he went on to say there would be no Chicago punk without mm-hmm. them. Sometimes dug up a piece I'd done on uh, the effigies uh, in 1999 during a reunion and included some of that. I was making the argument that None of the alternative explosion of the 90s, Smashing Pumpkins, Urge Overkill, Liz Fair, Veruca Salt, etc., etc., would have happened without the effigies, uh, who were first preceding Naked Raygun and Big Black and the ground that they broke. You know, so my band, my stupid art punk band, uh, is lucky enough to open for the effigies uh, in the reunion, right? And this is like 20 years ago, right? And I'm telling this anecdote just because it illustrates what John's aesthetic was. It was a poorly attended, I think, weeknight show. And we were just thrilled to be on the same stage the effigies would soon take. At the end of the night, John gives guitarist Tony and my band a, a wad of cash. And Tony says, well, it seems like, you know, because it's the door, right? Nice. So there's always fives and tens and a lot of singles, right? Mm-hmm. And Tony says, what, you know, what is this? What is all this? And John says, it, it's the whole door. You guys take it. And Tony's like, that's not right. What do you do? We were just happy to be playing with you. He said, we didn't promote this show hard enough. There weren't people here, and it was our fault. The mm-hmm. door belongs to you guys. And he wouldn't hear no. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mind you, it's probably like 30 bucks, right? But, it, it, you know, Tony was so struck by that, and so was, was I when I heard about it later, that, you know, I mean, this guy is a legend as far as we were concerned, and the records live on. There were only... F- three in the original incarnation between, you know, 84, 85, 86, and then they put out another record when they reunited in 2007, deserved to be much better known. They're harsh, they're abrasive, especially Fly on a Wire, and I'm going to play the title track, but I think, you know, in terms of the mix of what they were doing with punk and whatever would come next, and in terms of the lyrics, cast off illusion no one stays to watch. You've got to do it all, then take it up a notch. 
Young man, your hearing's gone. Watch where you make sport. You've traded in your long sight for short. Always uh, telling people to want more. Turn it up to 11. Don't follow the status quo. And it's like, okay, Mr. Prosecutor, I will uh, take your advice, John. So <laughs> fly on a wire by the effigies in tribute to John Kesdy. I know you have Kesdi stories too, Greg, and we had them on the show in August 2007, show 88. Uh, yeah, I, I interviewed John a half dozen times and had many interactions with him at shows because they were that kind of band. You know, yeah. they, they, they would hang out. But I remember I moved back to Chicago in 1980 after going to school. A lot of people were saying, well, there's not really a lot going on here locally. There's a bunch of kind of not so great bands in Chicago at this there time. There was enough's right? enough. But then... As you mentioned, there was this like up, outgrowth of bands, and here I'm hearing about this band starting a label, like mm. a punk band starting a label in Chicago, Ruthless Records. Mm-hmm. That's the effigies. So Albini gets all kind of uh, you know um, sentimental when he talks about these guys. Yeah, yeah. you know, which, which is, is pretty rare. That back is in rare. Those days especially. Yeah, especially. Yeah, he's they, a different like, Steve. Today. They were like godfathers to the to the whole scene in a lot yeah. of ways, and I'm aging them because they weren't that much older than anybody. No. It's just that they were more. I think they were saying we're going to do this. They had it together. And I remember coming to their one of their early shows, and when the band takes the stage, assembles, and they're ready to play, and everybody sort of moves towards the stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I want to get as close to this as I can, because uh, I'm really excited to see these guys based on these singles that I've been hearing. And I remember when they started playing, I'd like took a step back because it was just so physically, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, like they're assaulting you. You know, yeah, it's like they're yeah. coming at you hard. And it was that Chicago attitude, brains and brawn. Yeah. You know, it, it's like two things that you don't normally associate. You either got one or the other, but not both. This right. band had both intelligence in the way they were presenting the music, the lyrics, but at the same time, a toughness mm-hmm. that I just felt I didn't hear in too many other places. And yet they were the nicest guys in the world. Absolutely. Like, like you scared, guys take the door. They were scary when they were up on stage, but then oh, when you yeah, talk to him, yeah. you go, I'm having a real conversation with these guys, which right. is, that in itself was refreshing. You know, the rock stars would go and hide after they played their show. You know, they were too big to talk to the hoi polloi out well, in the audience. And they would know. show up at the last minute yeah. and never watch the opening band. Right. You know, all that sort of thing. And Chicago uh, had, had was an different. It was different. It was not that. Yeah. The bands were in each other's audience. And, yeah. and, and, and because of because of what Kesdi and, and Effigies did, ethos was ingrained in every band afterwards. So he just retired after this long career yeah. uh, with the courts and uh, was no doubt looking forward to future chapters when this accident hit. Yeah, apparently they were working on a record, right? Another record Oh, is I what I understood. It, yeah. You know, the so, info was sketchy. The Sun-Times had a great obit. It, what a great band. And I'm glad uh, we were able to pay tribute to them. Glad you pay, picked that track. You could have picked anything. Yeah, uh, any uh, of those first three yeah. albums. Body Bag is probably, that's the most streamed at this point. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't know. I, I saw a fly on a wire live and that just killed me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Sound Opinions, as always, is produced by Alex Claiborne, Andrew Gill, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our Columbia College intern, Max Hatlam. Social media is handled by Katie Cott.